opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonhalls, or Success Publishing International. More willpower than a barefoot woman at a shoe sale. Able to stretch a single paycheck for an entire month. Makes money concepts easier than third grade math. Introducing your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonhalls. Work all day, stress all night. Take your mind off your money and focus on your life. Money don't matter for the stuff it bought. It's the way you think, not what you got, yeah. Unlock Your Wealth Radio starts now. Get your money mind right. Today's show is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at unlockyourwealthradio.com slash freebook and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks so much for stopping by. We are so glad to have you. I'm Heather Wagonhalt, flanked by my producer extraordinaire, Michael Terry. Hey, hey, hey. And our new studio equipment. Uh, yeah, we got some new stuff. I know. Like, I'm like I'm not I'm used to being right on top of the microphone and I feel like I'm ten miles away and I'm so loud. It just seems so different. Huh. It's cool, though. It's cool. So today we will help you get your money mind right with these great features. Our key for this week, hope for the best, plan for the worst. We are in our sixth key from our Keys to Riches financial wellness series. Our moolah word of the day has to do with, uh, like, our not favorite relative, Uncle Sam. And uh, Minutes on Your Money, we're going to continue the tax discussion. Um, and what is that mysterious little, like, do you want to contribute box? You know, that little checkoff box? It started out as a dollar. Do you remember that? Yeah, what and, is it up to? And $3 now. Uh, yeah. Why would I want to contribute anything to these guys? Yeah, I know. Well, we're going to talk about what it's all about in this week's Minutes on Your Money. Uh, the trivia question is always based on a previous show, and that is take emotion out of the picture. If you remember last week, we talked about keeping our passions in perspective. Something really smells good because our in-studio pooches are sniffing like crazy. Uh, today's guest, I'm so excited, author of The Sandbox Wars, Stephanie Payne, is going to talk to us today, and it's going to dovetail nicely into this week's key, Hope for the Best, Plan for the Worst, because it's all about that end-of-life planning that nobody wants to do, but the problems it causes when it's not done. So we will meet with her later on today. As always, we will talk about your money, your credit, and how to get ahead in any economy. We will also show you how to manage your money easier, saving time and reducing stress using these proven techniques for you to create unlimited wealth and happiness. You know, I need to find, like, I don't know, like a song. What song has happiness in it? Like something like The Sound of Music or something. What's a cool song that sings that word so I can learn how to sing it in key? Well, that's that that uh, Pharrell Williams tune is fantastic. If you're happy, happy. Why do I? I I think I know that. What's the melody? Come on, melody maker. Oh, it's you know it's not, it, it, it's it's a pop song. It won it won a Grammy. I mean, I I I know it's like an old old song, right? Well, it sounds it sounds a little bit like an old Marvin Gaye tune, but it's not an old song. It's but it's really. I it's, thought it's an old song. I thought I heard him on the fifties channel. Happy, 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 you know. All right, well, I'm, I'm not, we need a better song. I don't like that song now. <laughs> I know the guy. I know that name, Pharrell Williams. All right, well, whatever. We don't need that. Uh, <laughs> Insiders Club members are entered automatically in weekly, in weekly giveaways. But if you are yet not enunciating properly, <laughs> and not a member of the <laughs> the week need giveaway on our tongue-tied edition of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, and would like to compete for great money management tools. Just answer today's trivia question correctly. 
This week's trivia question is, from last week's key, we talked about passions and keeping them in perspective. And I said specifically two things. We need to be passionate about blank with our money. And we need to be impartial with what? You look really stumped. Yeah. Sometimes I think you just give in for the sake of giving in, but I mean, you really looked stumped. Yeah, because I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, as I do the show more, I'm, I'm listening more as opposed to spending more time with buttons. But, uh, but in a, you know, and I should know this, but yeah. obvi- obviously I don't want to blurt it out anyway because it right. gives the answer. Keep <laughs> your mouth shut. Okay. So that is our question. Okay. So we need to be passionate about what? with our money. If you think you have the right answer, you can win one of three ways. Call in, chat in, or email in to win. That number is 1-866-966-9420. That's 866-966-9420. Or you can chat in to win if you are listening live from the website. Hi, I'm here. Come visit at unlockyourwealthradio.com. Or you can email us if you are listening from a podcast and not listening live. You can still win if it hasn't been answered correctly. And uh, that email address is trivia at uywradio.com trivia at uywradio.com good luck and if you have no idea what the answer is everyone can still walk away a winner for you the listeners of unlock your wealth radio audible.com is offering a free audiobook download and free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service just visit our website to get your free book now Now, today's Minutes on Your Money, we are talking about that little tax checkoff box. And I don't know what happened to it. I don't know where it went. But it's not on the it's not on the IRS form anymore. Uh, no, it is. I mean, my <laughs> my paper with the information about it, I didn't know where it was. <laughs> so you know, so the real story behind this little three dollar tax checkoff box, um, it includes an amount you can allocate for a fund that started out as a dollar. Um, now it was hiked to three dollars in 1994, and while the option was quite popular at the start, the number of people designating money for this fund has been dropping ever since. In 1977, nearly 29% of taxpayers had opted to contribute to the fund. But by 92, that percentage dropped to 19%. And in 2013, a mere 6% of taxpayers checked off the box designating $3 toward a presidential campaign fund. Now, so... This fund, okay, so think about that, how much money it made, though. As a result, you know, the checkoff box at its peak made $71 million, and it dropped to 2012, which is our final figures, two day is 2012, to only $39 million. And we're charging two more dollars than the one that right. it started out with, right. which is really curious. Okay. Um, a lot of factors are at place, as Robertson Williams, at the, a fellow at the Tax Policy Center. Um, for one, he says there's a common misconception that the money is coming out of the taxpayer's own pocket. So people struggling financially are must le- much less likely to give more money to the government than they have to. But really, the box simply provides taxpayers with a choice to steer $3 of overall tax revenue collected by the IRS for this specific fund. It doesn't add to your tax liability or reduce your fund. You're just telling the government, hey, spend three of that dollars that you've already collected on the presidential campaign fund. Well, that's then the, then the IRS isn't being very clear about it. I know, completely. All these years, I've thought that it comes out of my hide. Yeah, and I'm like, F you, buddy. Yeah, Look, yeah. Why, why would I give you three more dollars than I have to? Yeah. So so people don't realize that. So the obscurity of this checkoff box is a likely factor because people think it's coming out of their own pocket or they don't even know what real that it exists. It's really it's so ridiculous I know. I mean and, and it's so I, small. I mean yeah. wh- where they put it, you're like, "What?" So um and, and tax preparers never ask their clients. They fail to ask about it. So instead, the money that has been previously set aside for these conventions will now be used for pediatric medical research at the National Institutes of Health. There's another fabulous government organization I want to support. Not! 
So it's not going away. However, you can still elect to contribute to the overall presidential election campaign fund. Now, while the money will be no longer be used specifically for nominating conventions, it will be used to match funds for presidential primary candidates during their campaigns and to provide grants for general election nominees, according to the Federal Election Commission. So, I mean, is this money that's given to these guys, this can they spend it any way they see fit? I mean, can they spend it on hotel rooms and, and meals? Well, yeah, yeah, because it's, you know, part of campaigning. So, but you have to raise money first. You don't just go, hey, I want a million bucks to go run for president. It's a matching fund. So if you haven't raised any money, you don't get any money. Yeah. You know, but I mean, if you think about it, wasn't Obama close to raising a billion dollars or something? I mean, weren't these numbers ridiculous in this last election cycle? You know, so really, 39 million spread out over how many primary candidates? You know, I mean, it's it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. You know, it's probably one stop on a whistle stop tour, you know. I mean, so I don't know that it makes much of a difference. Anyway, that's it for this week's Minutes on Your Money. We have eliminated the confusion of that little tax checkoff box. So stay tuned for more. We have our moolah word of the day, our guest Stephanie Payne, and our key for this week's Keys to Riches. Hope for the best plan for the worst on our... <laughs> what, what does that even call this? Uh, uh, what linguistically challenged version of the Unlock Your Wealth radio show. We'll be right back after this. Commander Marty Logan here from the Top Gun Seminars. What I've learned over the years is that the most successful people in life have coaches to guide them along their chosen path. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Tony Stewart, Tom Hopkins, Kathy Colby all had coaches. Whether it was their father, someone else's father, or another person who helped them to shape their desires into an achievable path to success with a system of accountability where quitting was the only way to fail. Each of these people had someone who didn't see them as they first were, but as the person inside they knew they could easily become. Financial coaching can be the single addition you need to become financially independent. Call the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation now for your free consultation. 1-866-966-9420. That toll-free number again is 1-866-966-9420. Or visit us on the web at www.unlockyourwealth.com. I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Too much month left over at the end of the money? Tired of paying off debt again like a slave? Then tune in to my one-minute update on Fort Myers Beach Radio for your morning cup of money motivation. And for more tips, visit crackingyourmoneycode.com. Greenback is your neighborhood lender for auto title loans. We offer fast and easy cash title loans for cars, trucks, and motorcycles. Keep your car with title loans from $100 to $50,000. There are no year or mileage limits at Greenback, and we offer the cheapest rates in Arizona, guaranteed. For more information, visit GreenbackTitleLoans.com or call 480-926-6666. Work all day, stress all night, take your mind off your money and focus on your Welcome back to the show, everyone. You are listening to Unlock Your Wealth Radio, and I am she, your maven of moolah, with your moolah word of the day. And it's a moolah phrase from our not-so-favorite relative, Uncle Sam. And our moolah word is tax liability. Ugh, yuck. (laughs) Don't like tax liabilities. A tax liability is one that a company owes uh, and does not pay, or you could be an individual and still have a tax liability, and does not pay at that current point, although it will be responsible for paying it at some point in the future. This is often caused by a difference in a company's balance sheet due to the differences between accounting practices and tax regulations. Occasionally, there will be a difference in the taxable income and income before tax due to these differences resulting in a deferred tax liability. This is why we like CPA tax attorneys. 
not just a CPA, but somebody who will be able to then go to court and defend you for why they make their choices when they do with your taxes. Because let me just tell you, every year I've been getting this little gift uh, since, what, my second year of being married uh, to this second husband of of an audit. I was going to say, an audit gift. Yeah, it's, you know... Uncle Sam, he just keeps on giving, and I feel selfish. I just, somebody else should have an audit. I've really, I've had too many, and I just, you know, I I need to give back. I need to, and pay it forward and let somebody else have an audit, because I've had too many. Isn't there a limit to what they can, I, you know, number of audits? I, I wish. Yeah. I wish, you know. I just think that... Somebody got their panties in a wad, and 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 ever since then they just got an axe to grind. And yeah. and I don't know if it has to do with the the uh, tax fraud that happened. You know, somebody assumed my husband's identity, reported taxes with his taxpayer ID uh, number, okay. got a quote refund from H and R Block, and then defaulted on it. So we've had a problem. You know with his credit too, because this stupid thing shows up, you know, somebody, um, in another state, different age, different address, different race, (laughs) not even, not even the same race and, um, has already gone to prison for it. You know, they caught him. The FBI came in. It was this crazy deal. I'm like, don't give him any of your info. You know I mean? Like, who are you? I'm calling, you know, I'm suspect of everything. And yeah, and so um I've got all the court papers. I've been disputing this forever. I've gotten all kind of crazy things off. I've gotten bankruptcies. I've gotten foreclosures off of credit reports. And I can't seem to get this off. It was not my husband that committed the fraud. I've got proof that somebody else committed the fraud. I've sent the jail stuff. I've sent all the court disposition yeah. stuff. And we can't get this stupid $4,000 ding off of the credit. It's ridiculous. So, and, and and I'm thinking it has something to do with that, you know. So, who knows? Hmm. But yeah, tax liability, Uncle Sam, not my favorite relative. Yeah. Continuing, but we have a great guest because in addition to taxes, other things that we need to think about are end of life choices. And this week's key is going to touch in on hope for the best, plan for the worst. This is going to be thinking about all of these decisions that we need to make about potential catastrophic events and how we might handle them when we're not emotionally engaged. And things get nasty, nasty, nasty if you don't plan your end-of-life needs. And, you know, families and all kind of crazy things happen. Stephanie Payne, author of The Sandbox Wars, has been a practicing registered nurse for 30 years with a special interest in home health care and hospice. Her education is varied and diverse. She went to St. Louis Community College, Webster University, and is a talented artist. Um, She stretched her skills by writing about her passion, which is helping people. Uh, She is currently in production of a documentary about legacy decisions, and she's been presenting to senior groups, community organizations, business forums, financial planners, estate planners, and she has a lot of different interests, but she's going to talk with us today about the importance of taking care of our end-of-life plans for our family while we're still here any kind of decisions that need to be made i'm going to just drill her so uh, i can't wait to have her on stephanie welcome to unlock your wealth radio we're so glad you're a part of today's show oh it's just so great to be on with you i'm just really excited to share with your listeners and and i am too because you bring such an incredible i mean you are the the ultimate guest that we seek out because you bring a unique perspective to financial planning. Now, you are not a financial planner, you're not an insurance salesman, and you're not an estate planning attorney. You're a nurse, an RN, and yet you were able to create this incredible book, The Sandbox Wars. And I just want to talk with you about what this book is about. And before we get ahead of ourselves, how did you even think about writing a book that has to do with quality of life and estate planning? 
Well, of course, having been a nurse for 30 years, I've certainly experienced all kinds of things and watched thousands and tens of thousands of families. But it wasn't until the very end of my mother's life that I actually had to experience the entire process when I, from very beginning to the very end, and I realized how I had left a lot of my, my patients because my siblings... You know, after they hadn't talked to my mom in 10 to 15 years, and I was the nice kid and said, hey, mom's not doing well, 48 hours later, I had to fly on a plane to California, hire an attorney, and meet them in court as they were trying to put my mother under conservatorship. Two and a half years years later, and lots and lots of money in litigation, it was horrible. And that's why I decided to start researching, and I ended up, the book is really short stories, if I'm not an attorney and I can't give legal advice or financial advice, but the short stories demonstrate and illustrate how families behave at the end of life. And a lot of, not, it's not always very good. <laughs> right. And I have a sad story myself when my father passed away and it was kind of a, a wacky, crazy deal and, and it didn't make any sense. And the way my step monster and half sister behaved was just deplorable, you know. And then, and then I get, and I love this. Years later, he's he's been gone twelve years now. I get these Facebook messages threatening me for not talking to them, that they're not going to talk to me again. And I'm like, you you screwed me over. You wouldn't let me have one statue and, and that was my father's that w- was special to me and nobody else. You probably sold it at a rummage sale without my knowing for $3. And, and, and then you want me to be your friend? Really? And that's, that's where I come from when I wrote The Sandbox Wars is that thousand. It's actually, I did some little bit of research and some extrapolation. There's over 3 million litigated probates right now today in America. Oh, my gosh. That's, I know. I started calling all the county courthouses around the Midwest and did some numbers and did some extrapolation. And I'm going, holy, that's too many. And the reason is, is that over 70% of us don't get our end of life papers done. And, you know, there's a lot of paperwork and it's, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, living wills, advanced directives, power of attorneys, trusts, you know, all of those things that need to be done, signed, you know, sealed and properly executed and most of us don't get it done and even my mother had everything done but one signature she just was afraid to have a power of attorney and the power of attorney allows someone else to take care of you at the end of your life and I have learned since then over 85% of us will need someone even if it's just for a month, sometimes for years, to make decisions for us so that we can transition nicely and safely at the end of life. And most of us are afraid to have this hand, you know, hand on the baton, you know, like it was going to be me, but my mother was afraid and she was a little, you know, they get people get a little paranoid. But that's why it's so important to make these decisions when you're alert and oriented, when you've got family around to discuss it with and make the proper decisions. And that's, you know, because it can be derailed, as you told me in, in the hundred of stories, thousands of stories I've heard, there's just so many things that can go wrong without the proper documentation. So, you know, and knowing that you're not an estate planning attorney, you know, myself nor you, but I would think that one of the first documents would be a healthcare directive saying, yes, put me on life support, try to save me at all costs, or nope, if, if, if I'm not breathing, don't put me on life support to make me breathe, just let me go. Well, yeah, that's one of the most important ones to do, but also have someone who can act as your, you know, medical power of attorney that can also take over making decisions so they can say, yeah, this is what mom or dad wanted. So sometimes it's two documents, sometimes it's one, I believe, depending on the state you live in. But it is one of those, those are the, that, that, those decision-making powers are so important. And there's still people fight over that who, you know, well, my mom, you know, you, you don't know how to make these decisions and kids get in huge arguments in the hallways of the ICU about who's going to make this decision. And, well, you know, how you do you pick that person? I mean, I think that that's a bigger question. You know, obviously you wouldn't want to pick somebody that has a vested interest in your demise. So, so, but, but you would think you would want somebody that loves you. So you're like a catch 22. How do I say, yeah, you know, I'm not going to give you anything when I die, but I'd like for you to make sure that the right decisions are made. Well, in my the DVD that I did called Legacy Decisions, I actually have a, a financial planner, David Domian, talks about how to choose your benef- your 
people that will be your advocate. And, you know, you do the process of elimination. You know, which kid can't balance a checkbook? <laughs> you, know, gotcha. you know, take that one off the list. Which one doesn't know the difference between an, an aspirin and an antibiotic? Or which one maybe has drug or alcohol problems? Yeah, so you, it's, it's eating all of your painkillers. <laughs> Forget about getting yeah, really. them to you on time. <laughs> oh, I can tell you funny stories about that one. <laughs> but, but, and so you end up with one, two, or three people that you can trust literally with your life, not only your physical life, but your financial life. And so you pick the kid that can balance a checkbook that doesn't have issues, and then you take that information and go to your attorney and say, this person will be my advocate. And, and you need also, one of the most important things, you need to sit down. Oh, gosh, I can't tell you how many times, you know, we have to call so-and-so, cousin or whatever, and tell them, oh, by the way, you're your mother's medical directive and you need to start making decisions. And they didn't know anything about it. So, you know, you need to communicate that this person is going to be your fiduciary or your medical power attorney. So, for like me, I don't have any children personally. I, I, never, I never mothered a child, so... Uh, so how does someone like me make that decision? They, you just pick another relative, like a cousin or something? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a relative. It can be your best friend. It can be your cousin. I mean, it can be anybody you want. It could be one of your beneficiaries or not. It, you know, there, there's all kinds of choices, you know. But um, they got to be able you know, to they, balance a checkbook and know the difference between an antibiotic and an aspirin. <laughs> Yeah, give, well, give me your money. <laughs> okay, Michael. Michael's going to be my beneficiary now. So he's he's going to or he's going to be you know my, my guy that's going to deal with my medical decisions and my money decisions. Yeah, there we go. We're all set. Or maybe his dog Marty. <laughs> so, but seriously, these are serious, serious issues, and I and I know that we're joking and making light of it, but I think that that's precisely why because it's such a gruesome, uncomfortable topic. You know, one of the things I did with my children is that when they were young, we would sit around and I would tell stories, been a nurse for 30 years, and we, but we started talking about death very early, not with family members. We didn't have anybody die young, but we had kittens and dogs that died. Mm. And I talked about the facts of life, and I think that's when I talk about that in my book also, that, you know, that it was, it, we need to not make death a taboo subject. It's actually, if you choreograph, I call it choreograph, if you choreograph your death, it can actually be an amazing experience. I give talks, and I, there's a story in my book that it, you can make it really good and really easy. Obviously, it's still going to be emotionally st- stressful, but if everything's done, everybody knows what to do. You don't have to argue, and it allows you time to grieve and be with your family, with your kids, with your neighbors, you know, and just have like a, a pleasant experience, reminiscing and reconciling and doing all those kind of things that we maybe put off a little bit. So, you know, it's a culture that we've kind of created because we're living all over the United States and, you know, kids don't visit parents as often and you can't just, you know, knock on mom's door and say, oh, by the way, we're going to go see the attorney tomorrow and get all the papers done. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> By the way, oh, by the way, Mom, I haven't I haven't seen you in ten years. Let's go to the attorney. You know, I want you to you know hand all your money over when you die or whatever. You know, it, it's not that easy, and that's why the conversations need to start early on. Great, because, you know. Well, you let's know, talk but, about some of those how to approach those conversations and things after the break. You are listening to Stephanie Payne on Unlock Your Wealth Radio, and we'll be right back with more after this. Commander Marty Logan here from the Top Gun Seminars. What I've learned over the years is that the most successful people in life have coaches to guide them along their chosen path. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Tony Stewart, Tom Hopkins, Kathy Colby all had coaches. Whether it was their father, someone else's father, or another person who helped them to shape their desires into an achievable path to success with a system of accountability where quitting was the only way to fail. Each of these people had someone who didn't see them as they first were, but as the person inside they knew they could easily become. Financial coaching can be the single addition you need to become financially independent. Call the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation now for your free consultation. 1-866-966-9420. That toll-free number again is 1-866-966-9420. Or visit us on the web at www.unlockyourwealth.com. I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Too much month left over at the end of the money? Tired of paying off debt like a slave? Then tune in to my one-minute update on the Jiggy Jaguar radio network for your cup of money motivation. And for more tips, visit crackingyourmoneycode.com. Greenback is your neighborhood lender for auto title loans. 
We offer fast and easy cash title loans for cars, trucks, and motorcycles. Keep your car with title loans from $100 to $50,000. There are no year or mileage limits at Greenback. And we offer the cheapest rates in Arizona, guaranteed. For more information, visit GreenbackTitleLoans.com or call 480-926-6666. Welcome back to the show, everyone. You are listening to Unlock Your Wealth Radio, and I am she, your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonhalls. And my very special guest today is Stephanie Payne, and she is a registered nurse and has written an amazing book about the sandbox wars, talking about handling things at the end of your life. You know, and Stephanie, you know, I was just thinking about our conversation uh, before the break, and, you know, we were talking about making it um, an, a pleasant experience when you pass. And one of the things that I want that I told my brother he has to do if I go before him is that I want to have a carnival and nobody can wear black. They have to wear like purple or blue. <laughs> I love it. I want I want sandwiches and beer and wine. You know? Yeah, yeah. In the parking lot of the funeral home, I want them to put up like a mini carnival. I want rides and I want everybody to have like a mini Ferris wheel and have a good time. You know, you know I've, actually, I've actually seen people do, not that, but do really pleasant things, having music and dancing, and, and just, it's amazing how you can really, you can create what you want, you know, right. whether it's a parking lot fair or, you know, just a, a pleasant family gathering and anything in between, it can be done. You know, but it has to be created. It doesn't happen all by itself a lot of times. Right, right, yeah. So it requires a lot of instruction and stuff, So what you want. But, you know, I told my brother, I said, I've set enough aside for you to make sure that I get my carnival. And I'll be watching, hopefully, from upstairs. <laughs> and don't make me strike you down with a thunderbolt and bring you up here before it's time by not doing it. <laughs> We don't want that. <laughs> uh, well, you know, one of the things that you have mentioned in some of your talks and stuff is that the the new F word can become family at the end of your life. And why would you say that? Well, because, you know, in, in my little world with my siblings, because of what they did, and I've seen it with thousands of other families, they get greedy, they get angry, they have unresolved issues that they just forgot to grow up and learn how to share. That's why the, the sandbox wars, you know, people that mm-hmm. can't get out of the sandbox. And and things, people that you, you, I mean, these are people with PhDs and master's degrees, and like, where is this coming from, you know? Why are you acting like a kid in the sandbox? And because we haven't, we haven't allowed you know, the families to really congeal and become adults and where the parents say, this is what I want. It's written in stone because pretty much if you have all your documents, they're done. And and we're just not having these conversations. And But so if you don't do this, you're actually open, creating an opening for family members to come in and say, I want that. I want to take this control of this and the money and the bank accounts and the furniture and the artwork or whatever, and it happens. Trust me, it happens. Like I said, there's over 3 million litigated probates right now, every Mm -hmm. day. Yeah, one of my girlfriends, you know, she's shared with me, you know, because her parents have been enormously successful, and they just said, if your father and I go together, I just want you to know that neither of you are driving a Ferrari to the funeral. We're going to legislate this money from the grave. I love it. I love it. But you know what? We can't because once we die, then then this is the scary part. If you don't have your documents ready, all of the documents we've been talking about, if you don't have it done, somebody else takes control of it. Uh. Often, oftentimes, the state that we live in, and it's called probate. They have rules, and you have in my in the state where I live, you actually have to hire an attorney, and he gets a percentage of the money. Uh, and you have no no control over it, zero control. But if you get all the other documents done, like we've talked about, you know, you can actually have control over you know the, the costs. So, and I've learned because I, you know, I promised my daughter, I said I'm going to go get my trust done, and I, you know, did it all, and it was quite a chore. But you know what? It costs less. I mean, like, I don't know. Ten, oh, 20 cents on the dollar less than having probated my estate. So well, yeah, because there'll are, actually be something to get, that gets passed on rather than getting chewed up and all of the fees and stuff having to be sold off to pay for expenses to make it happen. 
in, 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 my, in my world, the probate costs can be anywhere from 10 to 20 or 30%, and the only ones that make a lot of money in this deal are the attorneys. And I love my attorney friends, please don't get me wrong. Right. But, you know, they, they like to do probate because they, they have, like, a steady income. You know, and I, you know, that's a, that's a good, honorable profession, but you can actually bypass a lot of this. And it also creates less drama if you have all your documents done. So we've mentioned a couple of them. Can, give me, give us a couple of more ideas of other documents that we might need to have in place. Well, one of the most important that I've always learned is, is that durable power of attorney. And this actually allows a person or a fiduciary, which is be a professional, that could come in and literally take over all of your finances, your stocks, your bonds, paying your bills. And that, you know, that sounds scary, but if you don't have it done, once again, it ends up going through the court system. You know, right. especially if, if you, for instance, if you all of a sudden develop Alzheimer's and you are legally, because you're now declared maybe incompetent because you can't tell, you know, a toaster from a pair of scissors, you can't sign documents anymore. And, and so once again, the state could actually come in and take over your all of your affairs, costing a huge amount of money. Right. And people, whatever it is that you've earned, you don't want some underpaid government employee making decisions and saying, oh, no, they, they, you know, you shouldn't or, sign that. Or some very highly paid professional fiduciary, if you have any money, they charge exorbitant fees to, to be conservators and fiduciaries. So and it, I'm just it can thinking, be all- what, if you, what if it's not like that? What if it's not an end-of-life issue? What if you get into a car accident and you're stuck in a coma for, you know, four to six months? And then you come you know, out I of have, it. You know, you, you know there- and if you, that's why it's good to get these documents done, especially what you're talking earlier, the advanced directive and living wills, because, you know, you've heard the story. I know I've had many people in my life that had the, the widow maker where the husband dies at, you know, 42 mm-hmm. with no estate plan. I mean, oh my gosh. And this is something I've learned in, in Missouri. If you, if, if that happens, let's say the husband dies and they have kids, Half of the money goes to the wife, the other half goes to the children, but that those children are now, that money has, it's put under some sort of trust and, and then at 18 years old, these kids get a check. Now let me tell you, what would any kid at 18 do with a nice big fat check? You know? (laughs) It's gone. It's gone in 30 minutes. So, you know, you can actually prevent that from happening with proper estate planning. And, of course, always talk to an attorney about that. (laughs) Right, yeah. Because while I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night, I am not an estate planning attorney. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) So you have a DVD that you've created, and it helps folks um, understand these documents. But one of the things that I find is probably most terrifying for my coaching clients that I see is the starting of the conversation. How do you approach that conversation? You know, let's say it's with your parents. You know, mom, dad, you know, have you taken care of this? Because you don't want to be perceived as the one counting the money before they've died. But you want to make sure that you're not going to have to deal with that headache, especially if you have more than one sibling. You know, and, and and potentially one that's a derelict sibling too. You know, and there's almost every family has one of those. Well, one <laughs> of the things, a lot of, and a lot of times, because we're all living, you know, my kids are all over the place, my family's kids are all, you know, we're all over the place now. You have to recreate, oftentimes, Heather, a relationship with your elder parents, especially if they have put off their estate planning. Like I said, you can't just walk in the door and say, "Let's go to lunch," and then we're going to go see the attorney. It doesn't work that way, because when when we grow up and move away and we don't have good communication with our parents, we have to go back and we have to recreate a relationship. We need to start calling them, taking them to lunch, you know, communicating with them like you're their friend. You're now you're, you know, you have to make a relationship. You can't force people to do this documentation. Um, that's why I wrote the book. So you know, I tell people if you're not going to go get your paperwork done, go read my book and then tell me why you're not going to do it. Because in there, there's a lots of stories about things that have happened that you really, and and the thing is, they're true stories. You know, this happens every day. And if you don't get it done, you know, not not that we don't trust each other, but, you know, when somebody dies, the trust kind of like flies out the window. So it's really... And maybe maybe that's the conversation starter. Hey, Mom, Dad, I just heard this chick on the radio, and so I bought her book, and I read about it, and I can't believe all this stuff. But you're okay, right? And then they'll think about it, and they'll go, well... Maybe we're not. Maybe we haven't done that. Maybe there's a conversation starter by using your book as the tool. 
that's what a lot of people tell me that the sand the people I've had people say I read the sandbox wars and they say so said I, I put the book down I called my attorney and I I, I talked to my kids and you know say, I want to get the, the momentum going you know there's a place up in I just heard on NPR the other day in La Crosse Michigan I believe and some ethicist at a hospital realized that all of these people didn't have their medical power of attorneys done and he just started this conversation which is like what I'm you know trying to do with with sandbox wars and about everybody getting their job documents done so that you at the end of life you know you know you don't get the feeding tubes and you're not going to be put on ventilations and somebody can make the decisions and and what it does not only does it save families it's actually saving a lot of medicare dollars which is like an extra added benefit because yeah. we're not for we're Uncle not going to Sam. Be- and that's a whole, that's a whole nother show i can talk another hour on that one so <laughs> yeah, we'll have to have you back on that one Oh, I, I can tell you all kinds of stories about Medicare, but you know, so but it's but it's especially good for families because you don't have to make it, try making a decision. You know, when you got a gun to your head, you know, mom's dying, you can't breathe. Or, you know, those are the hardest times to make decisions, but the easiest and best times to make decisions when you're at the kitchen table. You're talking I'm not about emotionally this. engaged in it. You're not dealing no. with it right there, where you're in survival right. mode and panicking. And you can no, make, it you makes make, sense. You make better decisions when you're sitting around, you're having a conversation. And they, but so it starts with a bunch of conversations, you know, with your family, with your parents, you know, with your kids. You know, I've, I've had the conversation with my kids. They know I'm going to die, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, that and taxes we can count on. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people, you know, I have people in their 90s tell me they're not going to die, you know. And I look them at the, in their eyes and I go, well, that's Good. not the truth. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Good well, luck folks- with that one. Stephanie, this has been an incredible conversation. And if folks want to pick up a copy of your book and approach this sensibly, where can they find your book? My book is on Amazon, but there's a link on my website, thesandboxwars.com, and it goes. To, there's a link to get you to Amazon. It's, it's it's in it's an ebook, it's a handbook, and it's a you know uh, uh, audiobook. And, and your the, DVD. And the DVD is at legacydecisions.com, and there's also a link on the Sandbox Wars also. And actually, there's a couple other radio shows if people want to just hear more information, you know, list on my on my website, too, if they want to, you know, hear more about it and contact information is on there, too. So. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of today's show, Stephanie. And for those of you who are driving around without a pencil, never fear. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is here, and you can visit Stephanie's show page and get all her linky links to her DVDs and books and great stuff. Stay tuned because we have more in store for you on Unlock Your Wealth Radio. We'll be right back after this. Commander Marty Logan here from the Top Gun Seminars. What I've learned over the years is that the most successful people in life have coaches to guide them along their chosen path. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Tony Stewart, Tom Hopkins, Kathy Colby all had coaches. Whether it was their father, someone else's father, or another person who helped them to shape their desires into an achievable path to success with a system of accountability where quitting was the only way to fail. Each of these people had someone who didn't see them as they first were, but as the person inside they knew they could easily become. Financial coaching can be the single addition you need to become financially independent. Call the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation now for your free consultation. 1-866-966-9420. That toll-free number again is 1-866-966-9420. Or visit us on the web at www.unlockyourwealth.com. Heather Wagonhalls here from CrackingYourMoneyCode.com. Tune in to my Unlock Your Wealth update for your daily cup of money motivation. Weekdays at 1225 during the Midday News Report on Corey's Hometown Radio, 1370 AM, WWCB. Greenback is your neighborhood lender for auto title loans. We offer fast and easy cash title loans for cars, trucks, and motorcycles. Keep your car with title loans from $100 to $50,000. There are no year or mileage limits at Greenback, and we offer the cheapest rates in Arizona, guaranteed. For more information, visit GreenbackTitleLoans.com or call 480-926-6666. Work all day, stress all night, take your mind off your money and focus on your life. Welcome back to the show, everyone. You are listening to Unlock Your Wealth Radio, and I am she, your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonhall. And it's that time again for our keys to riches. 
For those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you a part of Unlock Your Wealth Radio. We hope you've enjoyed the broadcast so far and received value, and hopefully we'll deliver you a little bit more with our Keys to Riches segment. The Keys to Riches is a baker's dozen of financial concepts that not only teach you how to think like the rich, and be in control of your own money. It also gives you specific techniques to create or fix your credit, eliminate debt, save and invest, building wealth while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management skills. And we do that one key at a time, one week at a time in our Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series. So we are now at key six. We're almost halfway through. Next week, we're going to be breaking our budget. So for those of you that have been with us since the beginning and started collecting receipts in week two, we're going to close that chapter on the take action, make assessment by actually doing the assessment and breaking our budget once and for good because budgets, budgets are bad. Do you remember Mr. Mackey from South Park, you know, and how he would, uh, you know, he had that one song, It's Easy, guy. Do you remember? Do you remember that song from the movie, you know? Because it was about, it was about, you know, stopping swelling and uh, stopping swearing. (laughs) You know? I mean, you know. It's that music. It's from the movie, the musical. You know, it's like, it's a musical. It's great. It's easy, guy, instead of saying the S and the F. He goes through all the different words and gives you alternative words. It's great. South Park was really good. I told I have the song. We're going to have to play it in the background yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Um, so it's easy. Okay. <laughs> I used to be able to do Mr. Mackey, but he, but you know, there was that one episode, you know, with Cartman and them, and he's like, drugs are bad. And he had to talk about getting high and his head swelled like super big, and he's like, that's skinny. Anyway, I, I really the show. I never saw the movie. I just, I, the show, uh, the show you're missing out. Yeah, I have to see it. You're missing out. It's the movie's the deal. I, I don't watch it anymore. It, it got too much for me, you know. And and you know the the creators are are libertarians after my own heart. So I love them because they're anti everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is it on Netflix? Uh, I don't know, but well, we could check that out. Yeah. So we always refer to Netflix. We should get them as the sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> they need to be promoting this show. And then we could do a video version of it and have it like exclusive with Netflix, just the two of us goofing off here in the <laughs> studio. <laughs> We'd have to wear something other than our, our shorts and stuff. We'd have to dress a little I'd, bit more. I'd have to put some shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in flip-flops, so, you know, yeah, we'd have to be more appropriate. But anyway, uh, so this week's key is hope for the best, plan for the worst, as we get ready to break our budget, because budgets are bad. And, okay, budgets are bad. But uh, the purpose of this week's key plays into our whole brain-based financial literacy mantra, And it's in that vein that this key is so relevant. Now, we call it hope for the best because that's what we all should do, right? Be optimistic. But in addition to being optimistic, we also want to be realistic. And what do we know about the brain? When we get stressed because we do one of two things, remember, seek pleasure and avoid pain. And so if something is feeling uncomfortable, like, oh, my gosh, we have to talk about moving in my mother-in-law, something like that, right? And all of a sudden, you know, that's what my editor says. That's not happening. And I said, does your wife know that? Well, I don't know. I never had that conversation. And I'm thinking, perhaps that should occur now instead of later when she's emotionally engaged and you're emotionally engaged because you're not going to have a discussion. You're going to have a war. And, And that's the purpose of this week's keep. And it's because when fear sets in, we're going to do one of three things. We're going to fight, we're going to play possum and freeze, or we're going to flee, run away, run away, you know. And uh, it's funny, you know, uh, as I, since I'm on marriage number two, I look at what are some of the similarities that I pick in men? One of those similarities is I pick runners. <laughs> they flee when it comes time to handle a controversy. And I'm like, mm, yeah. type A, head on, let's just dig in and get through this, right? But, but I pick men that run away. So, you can't, so it's very difficult 
not impossible, but it is very difficult to have these conversations. You have to kind of back into them so you don't set off that chemical reaction because, again, it's a physiological response to a state of being. And when we perceive threat, we biologically, we don't have much control over this once that gets going. You know, if you're not aware of this programming, you're going to be already fighting about the mother-in-law and all your wife says is, what should we do about my mother? She fell again. And all of a sudden you're like, ah, monster. So before mom-in-law falls again, the meaning of the minds has to occur. And it's because of this biological response that we have to do it when we're not emotionally engaged. So when you go to a hotel, do you know what's on the back of your door when you, when you stay at a hotel? Not really. Not I mean, at all. I, I mean the, the, the directions to the fire escape. Okay. So do you ever read them? I never. I never read them. Okay. So in an emergency, what do you think you would do? I probably still wouldn't read them. I'd probably open up the door and run the hell out of the hotel any way I can. So I, I'm probably not a good, you know, example of... You're, the, you're exactly the example I was looking for. Okay. Good. Because we're going to revert to what we know. And so you're going to go seek out, you're going to figure it out on the fly. That's what you said. Yeah. Right? But how can you logically, in the most efficient, effective way, we'll talk about Jennifer in a second, but how can you logically, efficiently, and effectively find a way out if you don't know what the ways out are? Yeah. Okay? And if... We are shutting down biologically because, again, when that hormone dump occurs, we lose fine motor skills. We lose access to that logic third brain. We can only default to previous training. So if you've never looked at that thing and never walked your butt down to the stairwell or figured out if your windows in your hotel room even open so you could jump safely into the pool... Who knows what you're going to do? Likely, it's not going to have a good ending because you're going to be panicking and the 50,000 other people on your floor that didn't read the directions are also panicking because they may not have ever been in a fire evacuation scenario. So they're going to be panicked too because they're going to be running around crazy because the adrenaline is going to kick in and it's just going to propel you. If your instinct is to flee, which is what it should be in the event of a fire, then you're just going to start running any which way. You think, like you just told me, you think that you would try to find a way out, but you wouldn't. You would just start running because that's the instinct to get away, but, but not necessarily the right way. Right. And so that's why these conversations in Hope for the Best, Plan for the Worst must occur when we're not emotionally engaged in it because there's no way to be articulate and and um, contemplative and creative if we are hormonally engaged. Because all of that critical thinking occurs in a part of the brain that is not accessible when you're emotionally engaged. Think about this. Have you ever had a confrontation, maybe a boss or somebody in a position of authority kind of came down on you and you couldn't get to the door and you had to sit there and listen to the garbage and, and you know, you didn't want to get fired so you didn't choke the crap out of them. You know, you, you, you didn't fight, um, but you couldn't really flee so you had to kind of stand there and take it. And then like 20 minutes later, you're like, oh man, I should have said this, this, and this, and this. And you think, you're like, oh my gosh, why didn't I say that then? Well, you couldn't because your brain was cut off from that logical thinking, the ability to defend yourself because you got emotionally engaged. Oh my God. And then all of the panic starts and you can't do anything. So now you're going to say something about Jennifer. Well, I think she has more of a scientific logic brain. So she would probably read, you know, she probably knows where the emergency exits are before she goes to bed at night. Right. And she already has her plan. Yeah. Now, you know, you live in a two-story home. Do you have an evacuation plan? No. Now I, I don't. She might. Okay, but her having one and you having one, whether they're the same or different, that means she's going to get out. And 
Marty's probably going to get out, but are you going to get out? Yeah. I don't know. Well, see, so that simple thing, a fire evacuation plan that every home should have and everybody should practice because it should be deeply ingrained. So you go to it automatically. Oh, I smell smoke. Oh, I hear the fire alarm. I need to grab my dog and my wallet and my car keys and walk out or whatever your little emergency escape kit is. Not your guitar. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah, like our friend Vanessa was in running trying to save guitars when her house was burning down. Oh, God, poor Vanessa. I know. Um, So, you know, you got to have a plan, and and more than having a plan, you got to practice it. It's got to be automatic because you won't be able to think about it, period. Biologically, ain't going to happen. Yeah. So you got to think about this stuff when you're not emotionally engaged, especially end-of-life planning. Where do you want your stuff to go? Because do you want the courts deciding who gets what? You know, what if you have, you know, three kids and one was a complete renegade, you know, and, and did all this horrible stuff and you don't want to give them anything. But the court says, oh, three kids, three ways. Because how do they know? You know, or, you know, what if one kid took care of you and the other ones like went away, like whatever it is that you want, or maybe you want to make sure your kids are self-sufficient. So you don't want them to have any of your money until they can prove that they're capable of managing it. You know, I had a girlfriend whose dad did that, said to the wife, you get X amount of money, set aside a million bucks for her. This is like 20 years ago, set aside a million bucks for her, said, this is for you. And and then told each kid when they turned 18, they were each given a lump sum, 50 grand. But they had to turn that money in, I, I can't remember the amount of time, but they had to turn that money into like a, you know, a 10-year period or whatever, into at least like a quarter of a million in order for them to qualify for the estate. Otherwise, it all went to charity. Wow. Because he didn't want his kids to be spoiled by the money or to think that they were going to... And there was three of them and they all qualified and the oldest, you know, carved his own path. The daughter carved her own path, but got help from the older one. And the younger one said "You to the oldest, you manage money, make me the money I need to get in. And so they all had a strategy mm-hmm. and it was all different and they were all able to qualify to get in the deal. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, you know, like there's a story in the Bible, you know, where, you know, one of the guys and, you know, because I paid attention to boys in Sunday school that, you know, they each got all the son, three sons got money, one buried it, one blew it, and one made money with it. And the one that made money got rewarded. Uh-huh. I can't remember the story, but there's one of those stories. Uh-huh. And, and and the one kid that, that saved it, you know, was upset. Well, why aren't you proud of me, Dad? And it was because, well, because you didn't do anything with it. You know, you didn't use it for for good. For, you didn't go yeah. make money with it. You didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Um, so all of this stuff has to occur when we're not emotionally engaged in it. So these are things that we have to think about. What are we doing with, if we have the care of an indigent parent? What do we do in the um, event of an unplanned pregnancy? What do we do in the event of, oh my gosh, I have a special needs child. Who stays at home and takes care of the kid if we can't afford a healthcare worker to provide for this child? Who gets to keep working? How do we divvy this up? What is the plan? Because if we don't address these things, while we're capable of addressing them logically, it's not going to end up well. Yeah. And and feelings are going to get hurt. People are going to get bruised and fights are going to ensue and it could create wars and and separations. You know, you got to take these steps. You got to say, what do I do in the event of my demise? What do I do in the event that I am incapacitated? I'm not killed in an accident, but rather incapacitated and I can't generate income. How do we plan for the family? Do we have insurances? Who works? How do I get care? All these things that we don't want to think about because it sucks. It's like, oh, that's negative. But what happens, the way the brain is, is all that stuff that we fear is just the fear of the unknown because once we make it known then it's not anything to be afraid of. And, and everybody worries about, oh, you know what? You need to focus on your plan A and, and, and failure is not an option. But if you don't take care of the plan B, and that's all of these anticipate what the worst is that could happen to you and create the outcome of the scenario now and practice it, 
then it's going to float onto their subconscious and it's going to constantly plague us. Even though we're not consciously thinking about it, subconsciously it's going to be wearing on our minds and we're not going to be able to manage ourselves effectively and accomplish what our goals are and focus what, what we truly want in life because all of these things that could take us down are actually consuming our thoughts mm-hmm. under our conscious awareness because of the fear. And, and worry, I love it, from the movie The Spanish Prisoner, worry is interest paid on a note that never comes due. So instead of worrying about something, explore it, get it up, get it out, address the fear, because the fear usually comes down to it's unknown. And so if you make the fear real and make it known and then address logically, be creative, come up with a zillion alternatives and play each one out to see which scenario works best and then practice the one that works. And that's it for this week's key for our key statement, key affirmation and key action item. Visit unlockyourwealthradio.com. And for more in-depth interviews with money experts, strategies and members only tools to fix your credit, get out of debt and have more money and happiness, do what other savvy listeners have and visit unlockyourwealthradio.com where you go to get your money mind right so your wealth and happiness will follow. Become an Insiders Club member today and start receiving the benefits of millionaire wisdom right now. Today's show is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at unlockyourwealthradio.com slash freebook and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For Unlock Your Wealth Radio and Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2013 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com. 